Hello and welcome to another episode of the Knowledge Booth podcast. Today you are joined by David Black, Ross Meadows, and we have two special guests today. We have Michael Keogh and Omar El Sayed, and today we are talking about office technology that's suited for the small to medium business enterprise. Gentlemen, how are you going? Very well. Excellent. That's good. Okay. That's good. Uh, I think we'll start off with a couple, just pretty much how we normally run it with an interview. We'll um, get you guys to sort of introduce yourself, talk about your backgrounds, education, you know, career aspirations, sort of things like that. Omar, we'll start with you. Yeah, right. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> and um, I suppose my background's in managed services largely. So I've been in the industry for probably close to 18 years now and yep. uh, started off in the uh, print services industry doing sort of print contracts and that sort of stuff through to the SMB market and then moved more across to the workflow and workflow management side of things. So helping small businesses develop workflows and system automation and and that sort of stuff. Um, Flipped the script there a lot from print to digital. Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) Adapted to the times, that's good. The digital days, exactly, (laughs) yeah. And so – you know, that that, that, ev- that was an evolving space year on year and it was rapidly moving. And so then naturally the progression from there was more into IT services yep. and IT service delivery. Um, and um, Michael and I formed a partnership about sort of five years ago. So Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And that, so uh, that partnership is called uh, Roche Tech uh, that you guys are both from. Uh, Michael, I'll get you to sort of introduce yourself and then ultimately talk about Roche Tech as well. Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah, so I've, uh, I've been at... Involved with Roche Tech now since '97, uh, so 23 years. You know. um, it's a long time. It's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of changes, and yeah. I've I've had some form of ownership in the business, and you know Roche Tech started originally in 1989. Yep. So it originally started as the Queensland distributor for Citizen Dot Matrix printers. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> Does everyone remember? <laughs> What that even looks like? Uh, the annoying I can't remember sound. What it looks like I remember, remember that. Yeah, sound. I remember the sound. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And so, it, it was started in Queensland, and you know, there's a bit of a you know backstory that you know quickly expanded into a regional network of dealers. Mm. Um, it was a, basically a wholesaler in those days, you know, wholesaling mm. dot matrix printers, and that progressed into IT, and um, and then. You know, over that time, there's obviously been lots of changes, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that's probably putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> changes daily. Yeah, and uh, you know, when I started, it was I think Windows ninety five. Yeah, right. oh, yeah. Windows ninety five era, and well, you, you know, started late then. <laughs> I, I, was, I was, I came in, you know, a bit further down the road, but yep. you know, people were replacing their computers every two years then. Mm. You know, now you look at computer you're probably going to hang on to it for about five years yeah no definitely yeah i was just i was like well my last macbook air got me through seven years even like a laptop based Mm. so yeah it's come a long way for sure and considering how much processing that they do now compared to back then it's all pretty questionable whether the old ones are better than the new ones too i reckon yeah some cases there was so much more excitement People mm. used to camp out outside to, you know, get the latest copy of Windows 98. As soon as it was released. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, rem- I remember those sort of, oh those TV God. shots, you know. Yeah. Well, it's literally like an iPhone. Yeah. It was like the iPhones were Nara thing, you know, exactly, that, and yeah. that was a huge thing to line up and get the first one. So no, I can tell you're incredible. shaking your heads, but I, I can see you guys were probably camped out yourselves. <laughs> Definitely yeah. not, man. Definitely not, man. I don't know. You're <laughs> I don't, I was, you know? Yeah, I don't even know if I was born. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not old enough to worry about it anyway, that's for yeah. sure. But if uh, you had a been, you would have been there. Yeah, I would have been there, absolutely. <laughs> definitely, definitely. 
Um, so um, basically, I guess, congratulations on, again, getting ahead of the curve. <laughs> you ultimately starting in print, moving to digitals, a, a good choice. Um, I guess basically what we want to cover today, um, obviously with your guys' experience, is basically, you know, software and even, you know, things to help with the workflow automation or processes and, and things that are readily available and accessible by small to sort of medium enterprise businesses. Now, I understand in this space, you know, a fully custom sort of solution for somebody can sometimes have a pretty hefty price tag, but that's not always the case. You know, there's probably plenty of software or plenty of things out there that you can sort of implement to help today and then ultimately Mm. build on from there. Um, Ross, did you have anything particular that you wanted to start off with? Probably around um, a little bit around workflow automation for, you know, small businesses and, you know, just an example of what that looks like, you know, just a basic form of it, you know, through to Mm. some you know, we've worked on a few projects together, some, you know, in, in the solar industry is one that comes to mind where, you know, they were, you guys were automating contracts and things like that, you know, and signing of that document and all that sort of stuff all the way through and back to the CRMs. And, you know, we have this wonderful thing of APIs today, so we can push and pull encrypted data in real time um, between systems. So I guess um, talking about workflow and, you know, some basic um, understanding that small businesses could utilise today because we all have to start somewhere, you know, and we, you know, it doesn't mean we have to come in and automate everything, but those mundane tasks that are repetitive all the time, Mm. you know, what can we do in that space? Yeah, I I think the starting point when you say automation, say, well, what's the driver? Mm. So what is the starting point before Mm. you automate? And you touched on one thing there, Ross, you said mundane. Mm. Yep. And that's where if you're a business... And you've got processes or procedures that you do which are mundane and they're repetitive. Yeah. And you might be doing them at the moment and managing them with a spreadsheet. Yeah. You've got somebody in the office who's got to manually go in and update lists or yep. records in a spreadsheet to say that something's been posted or something's been given to the warehouse or something's been shipped this afternoon. Yeah. That's as dead set, that is a signal that you should have automation. Mm. So a good example of that. And I think every business does this, no matter what size or what industry or where you are, is we all onboard customers. Yep. yep. Okay. And it's such a powerful thing to be able to onboard a customer professionally mm-hmm. and consistently and also accurately so yeah. that everything happens seamlessly for the customer and their experience is that, okay, we're, we really are dealing with a professional yeah. um, business mm. here. So you can provide an automation around onboarding so simply so that the five steps or it could be 10 steps or 20 steps are all handled and tracked and updated and and being reported on automatically. Yep. And it's such a simple thing to do. But, you know, even if you if you send out credit applications to your customers. I was, bit, I was about to say that. That's, that's you know, that's one piece of automation, workflow automation that we do have. And, you know, okay. when we onboard a client, we obviously need to ask those same mm. 10 questions, you know, yep. ABN, address, you know, who's the contact yeah. person, what's the accounts, contact, you know, mm. all that sort of stuff yeah. in, in your case, yeah. Like, and, and ours, exactly. is, ours is triggered off um, a sale being one, you know, and that follows down through so the process. Through your CRM? That, yeah, through our CRM. Yeah. And, and, yeah, it follows down. And then mm. we obviously do a lookup of that client they don't exist in our system. Okay, do this. That's it. Right, and it's just a simple email, and it comes from a person. Yeah. So yep. it looks personable, which is your professional part. Mm. That's beautiful email signatures. Hey, we just need this information to kick to the next phase, and blah That's blah it. blah. 
Yeah. And things right. are also aligned in the process too. So essentially mm. you've got all your ducks in a row in, in the right order. Yeah. You don't want to be ordering and shipping goods before you've got a credit application in place or yeah. Yeah. whatever the whatever the case may be. So, mm. you know, your team are following the right mm. process and doing things at the right times. Mm. Yeah, and you also want to make sure, like as Ross touched on, that you, I guess you catch things that get missed that could potentially slow down the process as well. Like yeah. if someone hasn't filled out information right or they've inter- entered something incorrectly and then you get halfway through the project and go, oh, wow, we never actually finalised that, that's a red flag. Mm. You know, you want to try and catch those things. But it, you, it, want, it, you don't want to, you don't want the, I guess you want to limit, limit the uh, human error aspect side of things where, you know, if you're looking at something every day, things get missed. And, and, and the, it's, you know, automation is the perfect follow-up. It, it never misses a follow-up. You know, if that form hasn't been submitted, yeah. keep following it up. Yeah. Keep following up yeah. after three attempts or something. Send an activity or a reminder to myself to physically call that person and go, is there a problem? It gets escalated. Yeah. Physically. yeah. You know, that's just something that just, it'll just pop up for me and, you know, no one has to worry about anything else prior that's to right. that. Mm. Um, and it's an evolving thing. You know, it's automation is a, is a good way as well. Um, you know, not from a just a, I guess, a process and procedure point of view, but from educating customers too. You can send automated emails about your services if they've got this service, yeah. right? But you offer 15 other services, like a, very much in your industry. Mm. You know, it could be literally, you know, an NBN connection to start with. The thing that comes probably hand in hand with NBN is VoIP phones. That's right. You know, hey, did you know we also do this? Mm. You yeah. Know? yeah. So you've got all these other, you know, I guess forms of um, touch points and sales that you can do along the way with automation. And, and again, you write the script once, yeah. you personalise that email, you never touch it again. Diversify the mm. portfolio and educate the customer mm. base. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there wouldn't be too many businesses out there that say all my customers have sold everything that we could ever sell them. Mm. Oh yeah, there'd be so many businesses no that sell some ten percent <laughs> of what they actually get, and, and we're yeah. pretty much no different. Yeah, you know that is something that we're focusing on at the moment. Mm. So it's one of the yeah key three things to grow the business. You know, ultimately get people buying from you more often, mm. especially the and you know they're the easiest people to sell to. Yeah, they you've worked so hard, hard you've spent so much them. money yeah. to get them in the, in the door. Mm. Is they now trust them. you know trust your recommendations and sort of the service that you provide. Yeah, you've yeah. proven yourself. You know, so um, and and just to move on in workflows, you know, obviously that's a pretty good example. One, what what's some more, I guess, examples that would you would work with quite commonly? So manufacturing is another one. Yeah, right. So if there's businesses out there who are manufacturing goods, yep, it can be simple or complex. Mm. And look, manufacturing's always had this issue. You talk to any manufacturer and they've, you know, one of the biggest problems they've got is trying to figure out to have a handle on where their componentries are and what their costs of their goods are mm. and trying to report on that, you know, and you're getting raw materials, whether it be, you know, timber or metal or, you know, whatever the raw material is that you're then turning into finished goods. It's so hard to track that. Yep. in the machining process. And is that uh, also like due to fluctuating prices and things like that, like ultimately that... Wastage would be... So yeah, no, no, just from a software perspective. Yeah, right. so, so most accounting or you know business management packages yeah. try to do that and, and, the, and the large ones do a good job, but we're talking, you know, enterprise. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Dollars, and, yep. yeah. And they take, you know, extensive customization to get the reporting that each... Because every manufacturer is different. They've all got different yep. ways of, you know... Mm finishing their products. Mm. So, yeah, work, look, workflows are a really good option for manufacturers mm. to be able to automate their current manual procedures. And I guarantee every manufacturer listening has got manual processes. They've got clipboards. Yep. They've got job, job sheets. Cards. <laughs> job cards. <laughs> they've got reports that people, you know, have to go down and tick and cross-reference and cross, 
draw lines through because they don't work. Yeah. 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 And that brings the ability, like one thing I love about automation is um, is the sense of like, uh, I'll, I'll give you one example is in Pipedrive, for example, from a sales point of view in, in automation is we can see real-time reports of what's happening. Mm. You know, how many deals have been won for that day? How many have been lost? Why they've been lost? You know, how many activities have been done by staff? You know, how many people they've talked to? All that sort of stuff, you know, with the manufacturing side of things, you know, how many units have been produced in that one business hour, that one day, that one week, that one month? Sales you know. order tracking is critical. Oh. And, and especially Data manufacturing is, Knowledge process. is power. Well, when a sale comes in and you're, you know, you're, you're, key job is to manufacture goods. Your salespeople need to know where that where that's at. That job process. Yeah. Yep. And running running manual systems never delivers that information. Yeah. So And let's just take that a step further. When you do, you know, bring in software like this and automation, you can potentially you've got the option there to spend a little bit more money and make that publicly available to the customers. customer. Yeah. And like see your product get built down the production line is just phenomenal. You know, and, and I know a few companies that have done that and, you know, never look back. Mm. And, you know, I think it suits a lot of things, you know. It, it suits a lot of products, you know. I think I think it was going to say that I think the other thing to add to that is that this sort of stuff used to be enterprise-grade software and yeah. solutions. And yeah. now, you know, now it's it's available within most Office 365 license and subscriptions, which most businesses are using these days. Mm. So you've got the power of all this sort of stuff kind of at your fingertips without having to expand out, buy new licenses and, you know, get new bits of software that you then have to integrate into existing bits of software. It's all sitting in the one package, which yeah. most people already own. Yeah, and massively underutilized. It. Yeah. It's, it's like a, people say, uh, you know, <laughs> it's the old Salesforce sort of problem where it costs – just a ridiculous amount of money in order to sort of you know, mm. do everything right. Yep. And you just think that there's more affordable solutions out there that can do, even if you do, you know, you automate 20%, 30% of your processes, you know, that's still it's a huge amount. huge difference. Like if, if it's a mundane task that you do every day. Like you, if you that know, task took 10 minutes every time, you had that up over a year. Yeah. Like that's decade. where, you know, that's where it's the thinking amount. needs to be. Like, yeah, you might have just so, say, as Ross said, saved yourself 10 minutes a day, but like that's, you know, 10 minutes that you can be doing something else or, yep. you know, looking at new jobs, new leads, sort of things like that, you know, marketing your business, you know, it's it's the opportunities when you sort of have that free time allocated. It's mm. huge. Absolutely. I, and I think that's a good segue to talk a little bit more about Office and, you know, what is Office, you know, Microsoft Office 365 is, is, is the package. Um, but predominantly it's used, 95% of people use it just for emails. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they use it for emails, I'll explain because we've got web servers and, you know, uh, we offer hosting, which mm-hmm. um, your, your typical hosting package will come with what's called an IMAP email or a POP email. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, a, they're a good starter. They're, they're, they're not a, a proven, you know, there's a lot of downsides to them and, and one of those being email deliverability. So, for example, if I went to Crazy Domains or HostGator or something like that and I, I brought $20 shared hosting and put my, put my website on there and I took the emails as well, I'm sharing that IP address with potentially hundreds of people, right? Yeah. Now, if one person does the wrong thing and spams out, you know, to 500 people or they get hacked or whatever it may be and they spam out and that that IP address gets blacklisted, unfortunately, I suffer the consequence of someone else's actions, right? Mm. That's probably my biggest thing to say to people because it's very, very common and a lot of people don't know what's happening, right? Mm. They just, mm. oh, you know. Think about this one one way is if you're sending an invoice to a customer and it's going to junk straight away and they miss that, you're now affecting cash flow, right? There's all these problems that come into play with email deliverability. Mm. It's mm. like having a good phone, you know, 
I, th- I personally think a phone is a, is a great investment, a mobile. You know, if it costs a thousand bucks a year to replace it, what would you do it? You know, think about how much business you do from that. Emails are very much the same thing. Mm, now definitely. we move to Office three six five that has you know or G Suite. You know, there's plenty of plenty of platforms out there that do it, but G Suite and Office three six five being the two main ones. Um, the the big thing for us is email deliverability. You know, when you send an email, there's a ninety nine point nine percent chance it's going to land in someone's inbox. You know, yeah. it's going to land in the right place. It's not going to get filtered into junk or anything like that. That's probably my biggest, uh, not even selling point, but um, suggestion to clients. You know, we could have here at MediaBooth, you know, we have lots of dedicated servers and that sort of stuff. We could have free emails for the rest of our lives pretty much, right? We still spend hundreds of dollars a month on licenses yeah, and to I, use that system and we will never mm-hmm. go away. And I think it's also important, um, like ultimately when you share your hosting website hosting and your email hosting and then ultimately you 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 have a high volume of emails that you then have to Mm. go and delete unless you want to keep adding storage which keeps adding up like you've got to then go delete important emails that in six six to 12 months time if a customer comes back and says we never agree to that and then you're like well i just deleted the email that had proof so yeah i'm i'm stuffed like you know that's that's a really good point because with web hosting a typical you know especially australian-based service you'll pay about ten dollars per gig Mm. Now, if you think about that, that's about 50 bucks for five gigs in, in roundabout terms, right? I can guarantee everybody in this room has got more than five gig of email. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the thing about, you know, Office 365 and well, G Suite, I don't know what G Suite's allowance is, but um, Office 365 straight out of the bat is 50 gig, yeah. which is satisfactory for 95% of people. Oh, yeah, you're going... And like that's, that's going to that's gonna last you five years, five, ten years. And then if you've got to go... Like, if you've got to go delete, then chances are there's probably businesses that you no longer have do business with that you mm. can then go and delete that that folder and go, okay, I'm, I'm mm. safe there. But, yeah, yeah it's um, one of yeah. the things that... So it can, it can become more economical a lot quicker than people think, too, when Definitely. you look at it like that. Well, there's an archiving facility built into it anyway, isn't there? Which does... I think that does come partly, partially free, is that right? That it, it doesn't count to your quota or something... If you, yes, that's something to. Yeah, so there's um. Don't know hundred percent about it. Archiving, you can configure archiving within your normal three six five subscription. Yeah, but if you're, if you're worried about the actual capacity, you know the total size of all your mailboxes in the yeah your organisation, or you just want to preserve your emails, then they there's an, an additional, um, bolt on feature called it. Um, Exchange online archiving, yeah, which costs you a few dollars a month per mailbox, and that's an Im- what they call an immutable, and it's unlimited. So wow, you, wow. you can preserve your emails forever, and they'll never be deleted. There well, you go. Now imagine if you're a, a customer, say you're a business that's got um, you're in construction, maybe you build bridges, you know, mm. and you've got contractual obligations based on your designs. That might run for ten to twenty years. Yeah, mm. yeah. You know, sometimes the ability to find an email that specifies a particular change to a design yep. could mean the difference between you know millions of dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and the good thing about that, correct me if I'm wrong here, when you do a search on your normal inbox, those archived would still show, wouldn't it? Yes. In in, in the search result, not in the, not in the archive. So oh, that archive is is a physically separate mail store. Okay, and it's done that way on purpose so that. You know, in a in a normal what they might call an archive within your mailbox, then you've got full control and you can you know move mail around and delete yeah. and, and so on. Mm. But the Exchange Online Archive archives every single email in and out yeah, right. of the organisation. 
Oh, okay. so it's it's just oh, it okay. runs. Yeah, it runs. Yeah. So you don't have to you don't have to dictate what you want to go. It just no. does everything as yeah. a wow, wow. So, so it's that's un- yeah, it's kind of next level to yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, well, and it's unlimited. Yeah, wow. so you don't have to worry about hitting limits or you yeah, know, exactly. Yeah, all that which sort is, of stuff. So which is, yeah, just got to make sure your credit card doesn't expire. That's right. Keep paying. Well, that's in addition to the retention strategies that you build into three six five. So. Yeah, you know, the retention right. strategies around yeah. deleting emails mm. and what... Password protection, password, like password protection. rollouts you, and that. Essentially, mm-hmm. you've also got a user group to think about. So, mm. you know, if you've got which, a... Which is mm. another good thing that we should probably bring up there is um, from a data protection point of view, like mm. Joe Blow's IMAP emails on a on a shared server on HostGator probably aren't going to cut the data requirements for a lawyer mm. or Absolutely. a doctor or a dentist or, you know, anyone mm. with medical records, for example, is just one industry that I'll yeah, pick. 100%. Mm. Where you walk in Office 365, you pretty much know that every industry is pretty much covered. I've never heard of one that's not. You know, yeah, that's I right. think, man, you talked about that not that's long ago, right. Mike. You know, yeah, yeah. so, um, you know, that's probably something that people don't realise, but, you know, it's it's not a problem until it's a problem too. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you get dragged across the coals. And, you know, yeah. a, a, a good example of this actually is when I brought my house. Uh, my conveyance actually... That they'd hacked his email address and they were monitoring our conversations and it came time for me to pay the deposit. I got an email from him with the bank details and then I got an email literally seconds later saying, sorry, mate, I gave you the wrong details. Use these ones. He'd mm. literally been jeopardised yeah. and they were sitting there waiting for that. Now, it was very, very lucky that That's I rang scary. and questioned it. Yeah. yeah. That's happening yeah. Oh, you'd be You'd be like, you'd be one of the 3% of people that would do that too. Yeah. Like as in, there was a, think she, about that and go... Oh, that's that. I think a chick off the block or something like that. She lost four hundred and fifty grand. Yeah, you know, yeah, four hundred fifty grand. It's around the same time. Something about that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, that sort of stuff's not going to really happen in Office three six five. I can't say it would never happen. You know, you're only as strong as your your weakest password, I guess. Um, But these days, and your weakest user, and your weakest user. Um, But you know, two form authentication. You know, to to log in, you know, you need another device or to send a signal to something. That's that's obviously a really strong one. Um, yeah. Office obviously enforces strong password use, which is good. Mm. Um, you know, you don't have, like with IMAP emails, anyone that's got access to the cPanel server, for example, has access to all the emails. Yep. So mm. yep. can do all sorts of malicious stuff with this. It's, you know, my email address is the administrator and no one else. Mm. Yeah, and look, just you touched on that, and that's critical because, you know, these days passwords, even strong passwords, are almost useless. Yep. Because... People can figure out passwords. And mm. if you look at the list of the most popular passwords, and they do publish the most popular passwords. <laughs> <laughs> password 01. There's still... <laughs> what do, do I feel we talk about this in every, t- every uh, podcast? It's always yeah. passwords. Password it's always 01. passwords. Yeah, right. But if you've got multi-factor authentication, it just... It, it almost makes you bulletproof. Yeah. Mm. And you can turn that on for the whole organisation. Yeah. And that will protect you. And, you know, because... Now, businesses have got so many obligations when it comes to privacy and mm. data breaches. Nobody wants to be involved in a data breach because it has to be you know, registered with the government and more times than not, it's published. So mm. yeah, you know, right. your, your reputation as a business yep. is compromised mm. and you can avoid that. And, and look, that's, and, and that's, that should be part of a business's strategy is you need to pick your technology partners Mm. Yeah, and picking the right technology partners is critical, you know, and and that's why you know this three six five platform is taking over the world. Mm. Yeah, and you know Bill Gates has obviously you know picked the right path, and he's leading the way, and it is the way of the future. 
and you know we're not you know Roche Tech we're not uh, we're not they're selling for Microsoft but as a business you need to pick your partners that are going to be around for the long yeah. for the long haul mm. and and that's certainly the case I mean that's just sm- responsible you know that's yeah. just smart yeah. the yeah. other thing to touch on there is is the um, what we call uptime or reliability of that service too. You know, your mm-hmm. email is not just kept in one place. It's in multiple data centres in multiple locations to ensure that, you know, it's pretty catastrophic when Microsoft have an outage, let's just say that But much. only in Australia. Should yes. just just make that point, that if you're an Australian customer, your data is only kept in Australia. Yes, yes. Yeah. But it is in multiple data centres for redundancy purposes that, correct. you know, if that data centre went offline, the, the next correct. data centre would kick in. And, you know, the, right. I know from building web servers and things like that, the complexities around just doing that, you know, what we'd call high availability mm. or scalability like that is, is, is immense and no small business could mm. ever afford it. Correct. You know, and to, to pay for those sort of services in an IMAP level would just be, <laughs> it'd be huge. It'd well, be yeah. huge. So you're getting all these, you know, Features of you know high end enterprise, as you guys said before, enterprise stuff that's mm. so reachable now. It's, uh, yeah. You're crazy not to. Well, it's a bit like keeping your money or your cash stored under your mattress <laughs> or putting it in the bank. Yeah, where's yeah. safer? Where, where, where do you trust most? Yeah, who, yeah. who's going to be a bit more secure? So, yeah, for sure. Um, so that, that that's you know, probably a pretty good segue into um, something that unfortunately comes to light a little bit more often than it probably should, but is around the hacking side of things and you know, compromised servers on site and, and things like that. You know, these days we have, you know, again, more affordable stuff like Azure and, you know, AWS and, and platforms like that where we can base this stuff in cloud rather than physical locations because I guess the physical, correct me if I'm wrong, the physical location is only as secure as the, the guy that probably set it up rather mm. than having this enterprise level sort of standard in, in something like Azure. Um, is that something that, you know, you guys have obviously seen happen a lot and, you know, could be easily avoided or, you know, wh- where do you sit around that sort of hacking space? Yeah, so look, when we sit down and if you look at a customer's IT infrastructure mm-hmm. and their IT systems in general and you go and look for the risks. So whenever we're doing a project, as you know, you guys do projects, it's all about managing risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you're giving advice to a customer where their risks are, in in our opinion, their number one risk these days is the risk of being hacked, mm. yeah. of cybercrime. And it used to be hardware failure. It used to be perhaps your backups. It used to be who's doing your managed services support were your, your biggest risks, mm. but not anymore. You know, the, the rate of failure of hardware and equipment these days is is close to negligible. It's yeah. such good quality and look. Solid states and MVME um, drives and, mm, you know, all the tech exactly. that's coming through. The production, you know, the production Less lines have been parts. set up for 20, 30 years and, yeah. and, and it's all done you know, at a really high level. So if that's your biggest risk, what, what, what action are you going to take? You know, because you can't just go and put in new systems or manage existing ones without dealing with that issue. Mm. Yep. You can't, you know, because it, it, it will happen, you know, and it's not just happening, you know, in the good old days, you know, we always used to get emails with attachments and that was how you got virus attacks and and the the point of a virus was to wreck your computer remember like mm. yeah know. yep <laughs> those are <laughs> you know, days a bit different yeah now it's the opposite encrypt it they want Ransom. to keep your your computer network healthy and running they don't want to damage your systems they don't want to you know cause any downtime they just want to encrypt and essentially cripple your business but keep your IT systems running so that you know you're going to hand, hand over some um, 
some credit cards or some money. Yeah, ultimately it's like act like nothing's wrong. Like keep mm. everything running as it should so then you're none the wiser ultimately because mm. when if something goes wrong then you get someone in and they go, oh, you've got a virus or <laughs> yeah. something. Like that's the problem yeah. and then you get, get that fixed. Yeah. It's a so wh- where would, um, you know, if, if something like that happened, you know, the, the, I, I guess it's probably pretty hard to explain the strength of encryption but let's just say it's what banks use for the, for the better mm. part. You know, that sort of level is available highly to most of us today. Mm. Um, so the chances of us ever decrypting that said server or network or whatever the the, the hack may be um, is next to impossible, isn't it really? That's right. And and you have to think of it in the context of running a business. So I'm sure there might be some people listening who will say, oh, no, there's stories or there's reports of actually being able to reverse the encryption. And look, that, that could well be the case. But within the context of you walking into your business tomorrow morning, and no data being available, you know, you just don't have time. Yeah. Mm. How, how long is that you, whole process going to take? You've got yeah. a window of opportunity to get your business back and functioning. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to start becoming obvious to customers and suppliers and partners yeah. that you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. And, and that could take, you know, hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks to even... It's totally you know, hit and miss. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. When, when they wave a flag and say, hey, we want 25000 bucks <laughs> to, to yeah, you know, yeah. give you the key... It's a legitimate decision. You're pretty much yeah, going to yeah. pay the money, aren't you? You know, unfortunately. So, I yeah. guess it's protecting yourself as much as you possibly can before you get to a point like that. Yeah, and that's, that's something that people probably right. don't realise. Like that happens a lot, doesn't it? Like mm. we're not even in that space, and I've you know I heard about a doctor surgery not all that the long time, ago. all the time, not on a daily basis. Mm. Yeah, 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 and and it's not like you know if if a consumer and it's often the vulnerable, you know, the senior citizens, for example. Look, if they if they get dudded by you know some shonky you know local trader, it's on a current affair tonight, right? Yeah. So we all know about it. Someone got ripped off for a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. But but and that's just you know that's just or that Facebook. just is out there in the media, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's in Facebook and everywhere. But a local business is not going to make public the fact that they got hacked. Yep. Yeah, oh, no because way, no way, no. Your reputation is you know it's not worth it, is it? So. Yeah. We're not. It's not clear just how many businesses this this happens to, mm. but from our perspective as a provider and somebody who has to deal with it, we see it every week. Yeah, you know, so it's wow. out there. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's, yeah. there's there's two approaches, or there's two things you need to be doing. One is you need to be raising the bar significantly in terms of what you're doing to um, reduce the risk of that happening. Yeah. So protection, education, and defences. You know, you've got to take that seriously. Mm. And the second thing is you need to have a recovery strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, like you might have the best and, you know, you've seen probably some examples of you know, huge companies that have been uh, fallen prone to cyber attack this year. Yeah. Massive companies and they've got great defences and yet they still got infected or they still got encrypted. Yeah. Mm. So you need to have a, a really strong proven recovery method yep. and mm. procedure. And, and that would look like, as, as a quick example, um, cloud backups and, you know, separate logins and things like that. So if they did encrypt what we've got here, cool, we'll just throw that server to the side. We bring in a replacement one as quick as we possibly can. We restore the backup in three, four hours and, you know, we lose half a day. That's that's yeah. that's a very exactly, yeah. good scenario. That's a good outcome. <laughs> that's a really <laughs> good outcome. That's a phenomenal but outcome. But that, that, that would be the typical IT guy's probably approach to something like that, wouldn't it mm, be? Mm. You know, okay, we've got a backup that sits over here. This is our recovery plan is that we throw that box in the bin, right? We grab a new box, 
from our, you know, wherever they can. You know, you borrow one, mm. you do whatever mm. you can to get by. You you bring that recovery plan back down. And I guess you can make some separation between those backups as well, you know, because how many backups would be a USB, you know, drive yeah. plugged into the yeah. server on site. So when they encrypt the whole thing or hack the whole thing, it's compromised you've, as you've well. You've lost your backups. And yeah. when did it first start? We don't know. So how you know how many backups are you keeping? You're keeping seven days. Okay, was well, this happened a month ago? What what do you do there? Yeah, well, we've actually seen that, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Ross, because the strategy of the hackers is that they actually encrypt the backups first, yeah, without yeah. touching your production. Yeah, right. So they might sit in your systems for a week, like you said. They might have seven days. They might have thirty. You never know. But mm. they will sit there. And they will encrypt your backups. Meanwhile, you're changing them every day and taking them home or taking them off-site, thinking yep. this is yep. fantastic, I'm backed up. <laughs> and then <laughs> once they can see that all the backups have been encrypted, that's when they, that they'll let the encryption loose on your production systems. You'll get um, locked out. You'll get the message you know, warning you that you've got to pay the money and everyone will go, don't worry. We've got backups. We've got backups. And then, you, of course, you'll plug the backups in and they'll be useless. Mm. And is, is cloud... A solid way to get around that, or not necessarily. Yeah, so it just needs to be disconnected, and what they call an offline backup. Yep. So the problem with USB drives or any kind of replication is that the you're just simply replicating the the infection, or yep. you're yep. allowing them access to your backups to be able to get the encryption into your backup system. So it needs to be kept in a, you know, it should be a physically, but also in a completely separate system. Yeah. That's not traversable. Mm. by an IP network. Yep. Yeah. And and I guess you have the added redundancy then of when you do push a backup across at midnight or whatever, that that system can then scan that backup Correct. for virus exactly. without, you know, causing too much load on your system, whatever, you know, all those different yep, things. Yep. But you've now got two places that it's checking, mm. you know. And um, it's detached. Mm. Yeah, and it's detached as well. Yeah, yeah. and again, uh, for... I think for the majority of listeners, you know, ultimately we're not expecting you to go and be an expert in this space. But again, it draws back to what you mentioned, Michael, of you've got to pick your partners as well in business who do know about this stuff and ultimately can set those systems up for you. Mm. And, and I think the the biggest point you mentioned in terms of like how to start to attack the problem is education around it. And ultimately just say, just being able to say, okay, I – I know enough now to sort of understand, understand the science, the science under, you know, understand what the risks are, and ultimately how I can get ha- hacked or sort of what to look out for and things like that. Like you know, clients will still forward me emails saying, "Is this legit?" Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, "No, it's not <laughs> legit. Like, don't click on that." Like, but it's it's and and no one ever wants to be like, "I'm the person who clicked on a spam email." Like yep. they never, then yeah, you'll never know because they're like, guy. there's no way I'm admitting that because like you go and look at it and go, oh, how, like, why did I do that? But like, they get better and better every day. Like people, oh, you know, pe- people don't know that, you know, ultimately you can change aliases, you can change what, you can change what emails look like they come from and they Fishing get scams. more and more and more legit. And then you just go, oh, maybe I didn't pay that big pond bill or yeah. that, you know, maybe that, maybe I do. Need to this. sign in again with 365. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Put your signing details in. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah, okay. Which, right, which, that'll be fine. Which is probably a good um, a good st- place to go back to for a second is is protecting yourself at the start. Yeah, and that can be something like um, Webroot, mm. you know, for example, that's me and Omar are just putting rolling out for a client at the moment, and that's where it begins. You know, even if you click on that link, there's a pretty good chance this thing's going to block that anyway. So yeah. this is malicious. You know, yeah. don't go there. Blah blah blah. 
you could have potentially stopped the entry point of what we were just talking about. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. how easy it can happen. That's right. You know, and let's be honest, it's probably not that hard. Well, I can tell you right now, it wouldn't be that hard to go and copy Microsoft's website. Oh, and, oh, and, and no, then log in for stuff like that. Mm. Absolutely. The, the, pop-ups, produce, are, produce that the, the pop-ups that you see regularly are, are extremely legit. Like yeah. you yeah. look at them now and you'd be really hard pressed mm. to pick, to pick it when yep. it pops up at the right time. Yeah. And it looks 100% authentic. Yeah. And and I would say that probably 80% of users, should that happen, would would probably give yeah, exactly. their details when you're talking about the general user group yeah. of a workforce. Yeah. You know? Well, you've got to think ultimately, like you're starting a business, you know, if you're starting a landscaping business, like you're a landscaper, you're not, you're not getting paid to know about email phishing and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. So if something comes through, you're probably thinking, shit, do I need to pay that? Like I can't remember. Like, and especially mm. if, you, if you don't have processes in place that – you know, like a bookkeeping service or something where you're managing a lot of things yourself and you think to yourself, maybe I am behind on that payment because I haven't thought about it in a while. Like, you know, you just expose yourself to sort of those risks and ultimately, it's yeah. very easy to convince It's very you. easy to get trapped. Mm. because, And that's all they're trying to do. They're just sending out millions of these things to oh, just, yeah. just trigger that one person the right time, mm. the and right if, understanding and with the right yeah, invoice. Ultimately, if you, have, if you have a digital presence, if you have a website, if you have an email on that website, you you are at risk mm. of someone coming through, crawling that website, and going here's and scraping that email into a database, and ultimately then giving that to someone to go and, and try and, and try and hack. You know, yeah. like no one is safe in that in that instance unless you're completely off the grid, mm. <laughs> which no one's going to be in today's day and age. Yeah. yeah. So a good, a good starting point for any sort of small business, I guess, the tip from this is is start with something like you know Webroot or Norton or you know there's there's obviously a million of them out there, and I'm sure you guys have got your preferences for sure. Mm. Um, you know, but start with an antivirus at that user level yep. and then, you know, your system's in place behind that as well, especially if your your services are on-site, you know, a physical server on-site, which that would have to be – is that shrinking? Is that a shrinking market? Like everybody moving more to cloud or is there still a heavy requirement for mm. people to keep stuff on-site? I think it's it's definitely not getting bigger. No. You know, businesses are moving more and more of their servers and infrastructure into the cloud. Yep. yep. But there's still like there's still a lot of businesses out there which have to keep servers on site due yep. to the mm. nature of their you know their core applications yep. and their yep. and their software programs they run. They're just too big. For Either they're too big or too complex, or maybe there's they've got issues of their own that they they want to have. Yep. You know, they want to provide. I, I can yep. think of a client right now that's um that's got a, a very similar system. You know, their accounting packages and and it's actually sort of a production package as well. It sort of does a bit of everything. Um, it's so heavily customised that you mm. can't move it. You can't move it. No. You can't yeah. physically move it. And that's inevitably mm. what it comes down to is so many of the times, so many of the engagements that we're having on a day-to-day basis is the client has the appetite to go to the cloud because, you know, probably 80% of their core business applications support it and they see the value in it. Mm. Yep. But then inevitably there's always this one application which hamstrings them because that application provider doesn't get supported in the cloud, yep. it's too big and heavy, whatever the case may be. And the business decision to move away from that application is far greater yeah. and has far bigger impact and cost than yep. it does to just simply keep some sort of on-site infrastructure to support it. Mm. And that's inevitably what they end up doing. So yeah. so it's often a hybrid approach too. Yeah, uh, yeah. which is a good, good point because you could, yeah, minimise the infrastructure that you really need on-site. That's right. Bring in beautiful things like off-site backups and, you know, use that. Office 365 for all your emails and all your collaboration and communication. Mm. And then essentially you have your on-site infrastructure just to support that core business application, which is often the core function of the business as well, which is why it's such a big decision to move. Mm. And like a small business today is is pretty lucky, especially, you know, anyone sort of starting out or, you know, pretty relative into it. You can pick 
cloud-based services straight off the bat. Well, you know, you've got, you yeah. got Zeros, you've got Office 365s, you've got storage platforms like OneDrive and SharePoint that come with that side of things. You've got Dropbox, you've got pretty yeah. much everything mm. that you need that, that yep. will never get you trapped in that, you know, that on-site yeah. mentality, you know. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that is always going to be probably bigger companies. and It's great for startups. Media, yeah, you know, start up, startups product. have that, you know, have the have the – you know, blank canvas approach yep. where they go to market and they could just pick, you know, five core business applications that run the place from accounting to production yep. and inevitably not Use have, APIs not and let them all talk together and yeah, exactly. they got one automated. laptop and everyone that starts with the business gets a new laptop and gets a sign in. Yep. Yeah. That's it. It's that even something as simple as that. Cause like the amount of people that crap forgot a password or I can't get into this computer and it's not, if it's not set up properly from the start, the just, annoying full day you lose because someone can't just go and reset that at an admin level or you know like yep. you just you save yourself so much time mm. if you just go from the beginning mm. and set it up the right way and just learn about you know just how to set that up from the right way as well mm. yeah um which well, is which is probably um sorry to interrupt there for a sec but um the next part that we probably could chat about is um you know obviously the the core applications in 365 we obviously touched on the automation that sort of stuff but maybe just a little bit around file storage um, from a like mm-hmm. a user, an employee level kind of scenario, um, you know, with OneDrive and SharePoint and things like that. That's, you know, I, I'm, I'm a true believer that this package is so underused. You know, people don't realise the power that comes with packages like Microsoft 365. That there's so much stuff there that people just don't even realise exists. And, yeah. you know, obviously we talked about the workflow automation, that sort of stuff, but even, you know, to... Which I'll let you guys explain, but you know the SharePoint. What what is SharePoint, and what's it actually designed to do? Mm. So, so in a nutshell, if you want, yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I guess you've how got, long you got? <laughs> you've got OneDrive and you've got SharePoint. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you think of OneDrive in terms of when we're talking about businesses, each user in the business will have their OneDrive location where they store their own, you know, work in progress, their own files, their own information spreadsheets and office documents yep and you don't tend to share that information it's just yours it's yep. it's like it's stuff you might you're think traditionally of it storing your desktop or yeah, your documents yeah, yeah. yeah. my document that's where you used to put that stuff yep so that's in the cloud now mm. and so it's stored on your local computer but it's also synchronized into the cloud okay mm-hmm. then you've got sharepoint and so sharepoint is again storage location but you think of that as being your server or the company drive where you yep. keep your projects, where you keep your shared documents, spreadsheets, yep. PDFs, or your, maybe your um, your data data sheets, product catalogs, all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So they're both in the cloud. They're both within three six five. One's intended to be used by you know single user. The other one's intended to be used by the whole company to share data. Yep, yep, yeah. And that all ties back into the security and data management side of things you know that's kind of the big picture on this is is historically before all of this was a thing everyone used to have documents stored in 10 different places and it yep. was on a usb it was on a local machine it was on the yep. home computer and it was yep. in 18 different places and so nowadays essentially there's two places one siloed for the individual and one siloed for the company and essentially can only ever be in those two places which is backed up it's in the cloud yeah and accessible from anywhere and you have duplicate that, checkers and all that sort of stuff exactly as well. and exactly I, and yeah. version controlling which is something that's huge you know mm. for, for all those wonderful businesses that use excel spreadsheets you've now taken that excel spreadsheet online essentially which can also you know if i go and make a change after you at 1101 ross meadows made a change and so, right? 
You can oh, be making a change at the same time. Too, exactly by the right. Way. You yeah. can both be in there at the same time. Real, real time, yeah. yeah. And, and that'll show where they are and obviously, yeah. you know, if one's going to override the other. Um, but that one-click restore, you know, we've all had that spreadsheet that's failed or died mm. or, Go you know, lost or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yep. You, you've got, you know, infinite version control, which is just on its own worth its weight in gold. It is, mm. yeah. And then, you know, when you when you use Excel, for example, at a, at a local level, you do have the auto save where you connect it to your, your, your obviously your OneDrive or your SharePoint component, mm. and every change you make locally will be synced to the cloud. So yep. you're never going to fall back. You're never going to have a problem. It also brings in the ability to get, you know, a lot more technical, but um, is APIs. Now that we're using that spreadsheet in the cloud base, we've now got access via APIs where we can push and pull data around to start workflow automation that we talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah. So, you know, it opens, it's not just a benefit and a secure thing. It opens up a lot of, lot of a lot opportunities. Of Integration yeah. is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I think that, you know, when businesses want to make their information available to the users and mm. now we're all working from home or a lot yep. a lot more of us are working from home. Yep. And that might mean we're also working from coffee shops, yep. working from the car. Yeah, absolutely. You know, mm. you can pull up your phone, whether it's a, an Android or an iPhone, mm. and just go into the free SharePoint or OneDrive app and open up your spreadsheet from there. Yep. yep. And, yep. you know, we're Look all... Look at anything on the fly. Yeah. I, that point that you made in terms of accessible anywhere, I think is the the biggest it's the key to collaboration in today's day and age where yes we are more mobile <coughs> maybe from home maybe you know remote remotely working from anywhere and ultimately you know accessing different sort of devices to go and access information because like yeah i think the whole being able to make changes wherever you want and ultimately always be able to do it um it's huge yeah. And what would you think the percentage of so like let's say you know a company goes and does all the office you know in in installs microsoft 365 would you? What would you feel as a percentage of companies that are actually utilizing that platform to its to its fullest extent? One percent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'd imagine it probably it would, would be that low, wouldn't it's, it? It's minimal. It really yeah. is, and it's so diverse too. Like if you have a look at the application stack in in three six five, it's mm. huge. And yep. and look, to be honest, not all businesses need every part of it. Of yeah. course, it's take but, what you need. But what it's about also is understanding what's available to you. You know, and, and you don't know what you don't know. And yep. and these sorts of discussions are great because people probably might be sitting there going, actually, you know what, I've, I've got those problems and mm. I've got a 365 subscription that I didn't realise I could solve that with. Yeah. Mm. So so it, it's, it's, it's massively underutilised, but, uh, but I think it's about understanding what you need and having those discussions with your technology partners yep. to say, okay, well, this is how my business runs. These are the business problems I've got. And then allowing them to come back and go, okay, well, you know what, we could use this to do that. And, and, you know, this is where we're going to put your data and this is how we're going to create your workflows. All of a sudden you've just driven massive efficiency and taken a huge amount yeah. of problems off your table. So, yeah. sure. And um, saved your money. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. Without yeah, because I mean like, for, like ultimately for us, like we, um, we like Dropbox is a, is a big driver for us in terms of getting information from clients and things like that with the file request features. Um, and even just sharing, you know, if you've got – you know, we do a lot of video work and you can't just send that to a client, you know, ultimately mm. if they've got a brief, proof it, you know, you just, here's a link, they access it, they can just abs- access the web-based version and then ultimately prove something and reply back. Yep. You know, like in Leave the, comments on it. Streamline that, yeah, exactly. Streamline that process. You know, if you send a social media po- content to someone, they can go and post for, just make these changes and then off you go. Like the... the I, could, I could probably freak Mike out here a little bit, but <laughs> if, if I came to Mike and said, Mike, I need to store all my data on site, right, Currently in Dropbox, we're just shy of 50 terabyte. Oh. 
<laughs> what sort of money would that cost me? On-site so, storage. On-site storage. On-site storage. With backup. Oh. <laughs> oh. Get your checkbook you, you out. W- you wouldn't want to know, would you? It'd be, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you'd have to take in – I mean, there's two, there's two parts to that answer. One is the actual – the hard cost, mm. which is yep. the rack – all of your physical hardware yep. and Drives. whatever it takes to you know support all that. Plus, yep. if we want to replicate it or duplicate it or however you're going to you know build in some redundancy. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then you've also got your soft costs, which often aren't factored in and should be. You know, you ought to factor in what it costs to air condition the room. Yep. Yeah. Right. Because fifty terabytes takes a lot of juice. Yep. To, to keep that running. Yeah. You know. Yep. And so that can be significant. You mm. know, and. and if you look at that on a monthly basis and you multiply that over five years, so for the life of the system, big dollars, you know, huge. So if I said to you $99 a month, mm. that was your budget, could you do it? Mm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could come back to you straight away and say no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beautiful thing of cloud. Yeah. You know, I can store crazy amounts of data, unlimited amounts of data in that in Dropbox for, in, in our scenario um, for $100 a month. You wonder how they do it. You, you yeah. Just, Blows my mind. I just hope one day they don't turn it off and say, oh, there's no more unlimited because I am in a world of hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to SharePoint. Yeah. <laughs> Coming over to Fair SharePoint. Yeah. But yeah. Look, we, we do use SharePoint for... Um, in-house. Yeah, for in-house Excel spreadsheets, things like that. And Processes. Mm, yeah, we do a lot of um, automation based off spreadsheets for clients and things like well, that. We've got know. a lot of clients that want to use it as a almost like an online platform for all their users to come in and it's, it's, it becomes an intranet. So yep. yeah, all, yeah. all things company-based live in there and they log on and they can see everything from, you know, who's going on leave next to calendars to workflows that are, yep. you know, becomes one big central dashboard for mm. to know what's going on inside the business. So and, and obviously since COVID, you know, the world's changed dramatically and especially in a work environment. But one thing I've, you know, myself along with probably 95% of the population is online meetings. Mm. Yep. Yep. You know, the, the days of Skype and, you know, remembering your Skype username and all that sort of stuff has <laughs> kind of been slowly phased out and it's kind mm. of confusingly phased out. But um, today we have a thing called Teams, which is something that yep. I can collaborate with Dave, you know, in live mm. chat, you know, if we're in different rooms or different places, doesn't matter. Yep. Um, but it's also a great spot for conferencing and it's kind of taken over in the business sense um, mm. what Skype was. Well, again, because it's inside the same platform. Same platform, yeah, and included in the price. T- touching on that, because like I know that, um, you know, like people look to like there is a there is a need for instant messaging even within a work because sometimes you just don't need to have a conversation with someone across the room. You just can type something out to request and, and get information mm. that way. And I think that, you know, people look to Slack, they look to Facebook Messenger, they look to all these things. But like if you've got the Microsoft 365 package, you don't have to put anything on top of that. You can yeah. just mm. do it in in Teams. Single sign-on. Exactly, you know, yeah. just ultimately run it and, it, you know, you can Ma- put that on your phone like, everywhere. Just to, just as a... Something that I thought about, you know, when, when obviously COVID hit, you know, Zoom's share price went through mm. the roof and that sort of stuff, yeah. is, is how many people are actually probably using Zoom that don't realise Teams is sitting right under their nose. Mm. Oh, and yeah. They're oh, paying for something. Paying for the they're, they're, yeah. You know, Zoom is a great tool, don't get me wrong, um, mm-hmm. but paying for something that they probably didn't realise was there. Yeah, and and again, isn't that a risk? It's a risk if you're a, you know, if you think of what other, what other utilities or software programs you're currently running that could potentially one day be within within 365. Mm, if yeah. Microsoft decided tomorrow to build that into the 365 platform and it just became free, part yep. of your $10 a month or whatever it is subscription, mm. it's a it's a Is big it risk. Slack or Trello or one of those? I think it's just been acquired as well. 
Yeah. It'd probably be yeah, Trello like, if I was going to take a guess. Yeah, I, can't I, would take, I remember seeing it recently. But which, yeah. again, is another – yeah, they just keep acquiring pieces mm. and eventually you'll be – like, again, it's – it's uh, people can't, probably can't don't, even, don't <laughs> even realise to, to relate back to what you said, Omar, in terms of you can have an intranet system like that's already in – like if you've already paint, like if you've already got that suite, you can then go and say, oh, okay, what can I actually do to take this one step further? Mm. And then you just think $17 a user or whatever it is tomorrow, ultimately you think that's 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 worth it. You Absolutely. Know, what and what is, I can build that out with. Yeah. And this is where I think, you know, guys like Rochtech, like you guys, is, you know, it's, it's invaluable. You, you have one-hour conversation with you guys and, you know, hey, these are my problems that I have. The simple things that you could do, you know, like yep. just to start changing, even just mm. one thing. You yep. Do one thing a year. One thing a month, yeah, whatever it may be, you know, mm. people need to have conversations like that. I think, you know, just to you do, and you need to get out of the the day to day. You need to get yourself away from that day to day, you know, sort of arm wrestle of just what you do every day and have these conversations. Mm. And now yep. is a good time to have them because it's the end of the year. People start thinking about, okay, what have we done this year? Yeah, yep. <laughs> it's been a crazy year. Yeah, <laughs> I think everyone would agree with that. How are we going to replicate a Global pandemic at the start of Let's next year. Let's hope not, hey? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. This is, how are we going to meet that target? I don't know. But, you know, what what's our strategy for next year? What's 2021 going to look like? What are we doing now that we could do so much better next year? Mm. It's probably, like, in a way, it's it should have shaken your industry up, you know, your clients up and, and really given them a... You know what you it know, did? It pressure. actually really, really well distinguished the customers that were on the forefront and who were genuinely interested in progressing you know, their businesses through technology versus the people that kind of put their head in the sand and didn't want to deal with it. Because all of those people, when everyone went to lockdown or all this sort of stuff Mm. blew up, they were the ones in panic mode who often were down. They were trying to create connections into their business. They didn't have phones. They they were doing diversions to mobile and they had no no strategy. And Mm. the people that were often largely cloud-based that sort of looked at cloud-based phone systems, cloud-based 365 and licensing and all this other stuff, just pretty much got their user group, sent them home and kept on kept on. Yeah, exactly. Along. And, mm. I think, and yeah. it was a really interesting mm. transition. Yeah, that, that's that, true. To me, that really resonated because, you know, the, the complexity just around phones, around a whole heap of other stuff, yeah. just it was such a simple thing, but no mm. one had thought, oh, shit, you know, we need to do this. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, look, and, and, and I'll give us as an example, you know, we, we didn't have to go into a full lockdown at home or anything like that, mm. luckily, but... Um, we had that discussion. We, we, we definitely had that discussion. And that discussion happen. revolved around you picking up your computer, yep. your keyboard, your mouse, and your phone. Mm. You go home. Go home, plug that, that phone into an Ethernet port on your router, yep. right? Get an Ethernet point out of, your, out of the phone because it can obviously in and out. Yep. Plug that straight into your computer or jump onto Wi-Fi. You're back and running. Yep. Because yep. Business we're as usual business. within yeah. half but, an hour. But again, yeah, at the same time, quickly. it's like if you've got a mobile, okay, soft phone onto your mobile and mm-hmm. then ultimately yep. it's it it operates as your phone as well you yep. know like there's there yeah, like we, we had we, those redundancies in place and and ultimately yeah but we we definitely had that discussion of okay if we do go into lockdown here yeah this is what's what, what yeah what's the process what's the strategy exactly yeah, yeah. But that goes back to the technology partner too yeah I, I think that often people don't want to have or don't see value in having discussions around it because it has a pretty sort of boring sort of stigma that people don't want to get involved in. Yep. But this isn't about talking about server hardware and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really about sitting down and strategizing or road mapping the business for the next six to 12 months 
potentially 24 months, you know, yeah. and saying, yeah. okay, well, what are we going to do? What's our disaster recovery strategy? What happens if we need to go mobile? Um, where's the business going from our core business applications? And then having those sorts of discussions so people can help guide you down the path of what are the right applications to be using. Yep. Mm. So often, you know, we see people that dive into things and then have to roll that back six or 12 months later because inevitably it hamstrings them somewhere down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that's a critical part of having those discussions is – is, is, you know, road mapping things and, yeah. and understanding. Yeah, and even mapping. something so simple like these days, you know, MBN's in probably, I don't know what the percentage is these days, but it's in a lot of places now and mm. it's pretty reachable and it's pretty affordable. It's probably not the greatest. We won't go there, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's definitely some problems, but... Thanks, Libs. Um, <laughs> the, 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 yeah, the, the speeds are, you know, better than we've ever seen before. The, the consistency's pretty good, um, which introduces things like VoIP phones, you know, mm. getting away from physical, you know, landline connections, you know, A, for the cost saving, especially if you're a high volume, you know, call centre or, or whatever, you know, you make a lot mm. of phone calls. Just a reasonable sized business and there's yeah. value in it. A normal bit, like yeah. any business really yep. these days that's that's got a got an office, um, you know, that's one thing is, you know, you bring in a stable internet connection, you can therefore bring in VoIP phones that run over the internet, you know, mm. and, you, you know, Mike, you that's could right. probably elaborate a bit more on what, what VoIP is and what it means to businesses, but it's basically, you know, our, our phone system is with you guys mm. and I pay a set bill every month. Yeah, It is what it is. Like it yeah. never changes, you know, and that's that's a luxury, you know, on, on that side of things. So mm. um, we have the ability to pick that handset up and plug it in anywhere in the world with an internet connection and it'll work. Mm. Mm. And if you rang your desk phone number... It'll land with you at that phone, yep. at that location. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. matter where There's you no are. There's no dependency. No one on would location. know any different. You can plug it in and it'll phone home. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but the end user would know no different to, you know, me being in the office, out of the office, yeah. anything like that. Oh, and yeah, that's, said, which is huge. Yeah, yeah. Another, another, you know, great feature of your system is the, the soft phone app. You know, the, you know, your mm. Bruce Shredders and your, your soft phone, um, that we can install that, you know, scan a QR code and in 20 seconds... I've now got my mobile as my desk phone. Yeah. And but again, no one would know any different. And again, what's like just a small point about the how cool that is, is ultimately, you know, like if you're using a phone for work and you've got soft phone, mm. like ultimately you go to your tax agent at the end of the year and it logs how many minutes you've looked like you've had <laughs> that thing going for. And so it's like, okay, I've this many minutes over the year and they go, okay, I can calculate so what, what, a cost what, for that. I think what Dave's trying to say there is... Thanks, guys, for getting uh, a little bit extra. When, 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 you, when you do call MediaBooth <laughs> and you do speak to Dave, there's a pretty good he's chance on the clock. he's on his mobile. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's actually answering on his mobile even though you're ringing the landlord. Yeah. So, but, it's yeah. Co- yeah. but he likes to walk around like we all do. And, and, and it's more so like ultimately, you know, you can go and have a conversation. You don't need to necessarily bother anybody around you because we're not all dealing in isolated booths that are soundproof. Yeah. You don't want to distract the team with a phone call, you know, all the time, especially if the phone rings a lot. Are you saying you're, you're one of those loud talkers? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I like to just shout at people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I guess Mike explained to us what VoIP is and, you know, um, you know why, why would a business have VoIP over a, a typical landline these days? Yeah, I suppose there's, if you look back at three or four years ago when they were looking at, you know, rolling out the NBN, when mm. that process started, and, and the message that the government was telling everyone at the time was this is going to enable businesses to move into the next the next digital age and, and get yeah. online and be able to do be able to do jobs or functions and provide services that you can't currently, you know, that weren't available with yep. the old technology. And and that was definitely that was that was the message, mm. and so we we took that and we you know back the, back at that stage we said look we don't want to and we don't want our customers to be left behind, mm. and so one 
you know, with the NBN, it's obviously it's, it's replacing the old Telstra network that we've lived with, lived with for the last 50 years. And so it's a brand new network and it's moved all of our voice communications onto the internet effectively. Yep. It's all become what they call IP traffic. And so, and so basically that's given us the option of moving new phone systems instead of getting the, you know, the traditional, you buy a phone system, you've got this big PABX sitting on your wall which means that you're tethered to the office. Mm, yeah. Your phone has to be in the office to work. That's no longer the case. With our system, the whole system is kept in the cloud. All you need, like you said, Ross, is a handset. You can plug it in anywhere. Or an app. Or an app, yep. yeah, and you're online. You've got a phone. Mm. So that removes that expensive, um, clunky, you know, traditional phone system approach, yep. uh, which requires you to spend a fortune on, you know, expensive hardware yeah. that nobody could work out how to fix or support <laughs> except the guy with the screwdriver that, yeah. you know, plugged it in. And if or the sales guy that came around every two years to sell you a different one. <laughs> yeah, and God help you if you need to change a name or an extension number. Yeah. You know, you'd have to wait two days and it's frustrating as hell. And which is another thing. Um, is, it, is it IVR? Is that the right word? Right terminology for, yeah, you know, yeah. press one for this and press two yeah. for that. Yeah. You know, it, it you know, we, we have access to your VoIP portal mm. and I can physically go and do all that stuff myself. Yeah. yeah. You know? That's that's unheard of. How good's that? Yeah, yeah, that, that's you huge. Know, you know. On hold music, you know, all that sort of stuff is all. Mm. It's just there. Yeah. You know, like just <laughs> you can just upload now. the file. Like, yeah, that's yeah, literally yeah. what it is. You know, so, yeah. but that sort of stuff back in the day, we had it separate recorded, like separate players for that sort of stuff. You know, there was actually quite a bit of complexity around that sort of stuff. Yeah. It used to and, be a plug-in, another plug-in sort of recording yeah. that plugged into the phone system, which plugged into the yeah, phone. Yeah, use the microphone jack, the and you know, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I've had some good times with those ones. But yeah, like. It's it's thrown all that out the window now. But yeah. if you also think what that means to reliability and you know points of failure, that's also another thing to consider. Is sometimes, and I think this may have been super early days when VoIP you know was first discovered. Um, reliability in Australia probably wasn't great because our internet was crap and we had ADSL and yeah. you know, it just wasn't any good. But now that the NBNs opened those doors and most businesses have got much much better internet available yeah. to them, mm. it's just a completely different level. And so. You know, people talk about, oh, is it is it reliable or is it not? Or what happens if it, my internet goes down or yep. all those sorts of things. But uh, you've got zero points of failure. Or your point of failure in a VoIP system is literally a handset on your desk. And then the second point of failure is essentially your internet connection. Mm. And it, at that point, we would always recommend that you'd have a 4G backup plugged into your yeah, router yeah. anyway, which essentially you should just do it's pretty common these days anyway, isn't it? 100%. Yeah, and so, normal. Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah, it is. It, well, you'd be surprised how many people don't. But but essentially, yeah, it should be normal. And, yep. and we always recommend it. But, you know, what that means to keeping your phones up is critical because it means that even with a power failure, you've got the app on your mobile. In an internet failure, you've got your 4G failover. And then the and hardware yeah. and the app exactly, and yeah. then and then so yeah, your, your point of failure is one, which is your piece of your handset on your desk, and yeah. how many times have they stopped working in the last ten years? Yeah, and, that's right. You know, you know, and if the power goes out and four G and everything went down, then just go home and you've got your phone. There's just no point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, give it up. It's not going to happen. Go to the you beach. Know, the yeah. But, but I guess ultimately, you know, if you do have those two points of failure and you have a smartphone then you can still go home and operate as normal. You don't need to update your, your phone number and say, okay, you got to call me by mobile now or anything yeah. like that. Like nothing has to change for the customer, which is 
just helps the business image because mm. you're constantly just a well-oiled machine. Your presence doesn't have got to change. Yeah. You don't have to go and say, hey, by the way, we've got a power outage and this means that you've got to do this, this, this and this. Yep. And it lets people say, oh, they're business as usual regardless of what happens. That's fantastic. You know, that, yep. I like to see that. Well, going back to the COVID thing, you know, that was a massive thing for people and for businesses in terms of their their strategy if they didn't have a VoIP phone was to divert to the mobile. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, that is just a – that's an archaic Accident way of dealing with it. Exactly. And poor – you know, John or Betty on reception that got all those calls was yeah. just getting hammered and had no ability to transfer calls or to, you know, push those calls anywhere else to anyone. See, they could, they the could have used Teams to send uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. hey, the mobile app. Exactly. <laughs> so, it, look, it just meant a really poor customer experience. Yeah. Yep. Um, and and the, if you had to choose, you know, it was an obvious choice that someone that had their phones alive and had a system like that to deal with it versus someone didn't. Mm. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's about protecting and, and ultimately solidifying that image. So, so, so a, a question around that, of the people that you dealt with in that COVID time, like how many of them were actually prepared? What, what would the percentage roughly be? Yeah, oh, look, it's hard to say in terms of percentages, but I, I, I think, and Omar touched on this one before, that one of the glaringly obvious um, issues of moving people from the office to working at home was that phone system. That yep. Yep. It's critical. You know, mm. customers ring your number and they speak to reception. There's nothing worse than being transferred to a mobile. The mobile rings out. The receptionist has got no chance to get you back. Yeah, yeah true, yeah. true. Yeah. You can't pull the call back. And, and so any customers or, you know, any sites that we saw with phone systems really struggled to yep. be able to move and work from home due to COVID. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So phones with the, the breaking board. Obviously, we can take a laptop or a computer home and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and often, <clears throat> excuse me, the, most people had moved to 365 just through the natural course of business. Mm. It was often the phones that were probably last on, yeah, their, right. on their radar, you yeah. know, because they rang and they didn't see any need to do it. And, mm. you know, it was just sort of one of those things that people pushed to the back burner more often than not. Mm. Yeah. So, so that was the part that inevitably ended up buckling them. Um, and a lot of lost business, like as Mike just said, you know, the amount of people that – couldn't keep up with calls and had no way of seeing the visibility because the number doesn't come through when you do a diversion. Yeah, as in the, the end user's numbers, you can't call them back. Yeah, yeah and right. so you know you just you just know it was a diverted call, but you couldn't see who was actually on the other end. Yeah, and you know when you've got one person, they're just not going to keep up, and so Absolutely. what and that and relates to in lost trade is huge. That's something I really really like about the VoIP portal, although it doesn't get seen or used all that often. But if you called my uh, my desk phone directly, for example, and I didn't answer it it would go to a voicemail. It then emails me that audio file of your voicemail directly mm. back to my email. Yeah. Like how good is that? Yeah. Yeah, with, with the phone number and all that sort of stuff. Ready to so you're on the road and you can you can get your voicemails from your desk phone yeah. through through the email, Yeah, which is great. So it's just, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, if, if that phone system did fail, that it would divert to a mobile automatically, that yeah. sort of stuff. You don't have to think about these things anymore. Yeah. You don't have to ring Telstra and yeah. stay on hold for 30 minutes going, oh, shit, we're going to do this, well, you know? I was, oh. just gonna, I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah. now you can actually even migrate over your mobile numbers as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, oh, so you okay. know, you've got teams of salespeople that have had mobile phones that the company pays for, like real estate agents, you yep. know, yep. and they do that because they don't want to lose the IP. So when the real estate agent moves on to another orga- organization, yep. they keep the mobile phone number. Yeah. Correct. Well, now you don't even need to do that. What we can do is we can actually keep, put the mobile number into the, into the platform and then push all the calls to that mobile number to the app or to a desk phone. 
So, so right, essentially, right. essentially, you now it means you can cancel those plans with the likes of you know Telstra, whoever you might, whatever doesn't matter who you're with, but um, you can cancel those plans, and you're not paying sixty bucks a month per mobile phone number now. Yeah. Wow. But you also don't lose the ability to get those calls when customers still call in on them too. So it's a, it's a, it's an amazing. No, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, and I think the um, <laughs> the added ability of the reporting side of things within like a, a platform like that, well, and, you, that, that that's, is, that's a great point is though, huge yeah mm. you know like you know met, metrics on that don't you how many yeah. are in how many are out absolutely yeah. Yeah. Um, real time report were? on it yeah like, and you don't have to because tr- again uh, as you touched on earlier you're only as strong as like your weakest user you know if you've got someone there that's and i'm not gonna like ultimately i work with tony very closely but he's a salesman so his admin's not fantastic so you know like you you eliminate them having to do any extra work on that because there's a platform there that's pulling information automatically for them and then ultimately you can just go run a report on that yep. you know right. and, and get numbers and get all that stuff and you don't have to say you know someone doesn't have to go through their the call history keeping. yeah exactly yep. it's all in there in real that's time crazy. Yeah, mm. that is that is actually really really cool. Yeah, and and inevitably, look, the the, the cut over to NBN once in, once as you all know, once the area cuts over to NBN, you have to push over anyway. There's really it's you know it's when they switched off analog TVs, you don't have a choice. You've got Set to go top to digital. Box, yeah, exactly. Yep. So so okay, so that's a good point. So if if you do go to NBN, you can't sustain your typical phone system anymore. They will be disconnected. Yep. and if you do nothing, you'll lose your phone number as well. Wow. Yeah, so you've got a predetermined amount of time, you know, and it's very, it varies a little bit from place to place. But Which is actually interesting. I have a friend of mine that's got ca- that had cable internet and literally got the notification to say, hey, we're turning off the cable system. Mm-hmm. You've got to move to MBN, you know, do that's all that it. as yeah. well. So yeah. don't, not, a, don't avoid it. Don't leave it to the last minute. Yeah. It's probably the, the top tip here. Because of the, yeah, Im- you know, like the, the infrastructure. The thing. Yeah, I think it's important to note that when, like, the current infrastructure doesn't support the upgrade. Mm. So it's like you... you you if have to make if it's switched off, it's off. Yeah. Like ultimately, it's done. And I guess the, the, another thing, just to quickly point out in VoIP, is you know we have a one three hundred number. That's probably our, our most predominant thing. Yeah. Mm. You can add those in. You can you you know. Yeah. One three hundred numbers. Nothing not one three numbers. One eight hundred numbers. Yeah. You can yeah you can Everything. you can turn them on on demand. Yep. Immediately. Yeah. And you can also turn them off on. We had a customer the other day who actually was running a new print marketing campaign, mm. but wanted a dedicated number so she could track, track the leads the for it. Yep. Which and is mm. such, such a good idea. idea. But, you know, imagine turning on a number under the old way. You know, you wait two weeks yeah. and you have to go through the ordering process. Yep. And even mm. now you can't talk to anyone. So, you know, we could turn that number on within 20 seconds. It's just literally pick a number and there you go, send that to print. And yep. then we, you know, we track it in two months' time and say, good news, mm. your marketing was successful. Or yeah, And in the void portal, probably you, more can, often you can than pull that news. number out. Yeah, yeah, but you, and you, you can also route those numbers anywhere, you know, mm. so you turn on that new number and then there might be a particular individual who's responsible for that campaign. campaign. So, you know, that number gets routed direct to that individual, the customer and we could, experience you could, you could even flash on the screen that, hey, this is coming from XYZ Promo too. Absolutely. Like yeah. That's, that's yeah. just insane. Almost like a whisper message. Yeah, yeah, a whisper we, message, literally. Yeah. Yeah. It just announces that this person's calling for this reason. Yeah. You know, mm. this is the source of the call, more yeah. of the point. Yeah. So. Which, um, yeah, which then goes into, powerful. you know, you can do things as well, like call recording and just for, you know, quality training, all that as well. Like yep. ultimately mm. there's just the the options are endless in yeah. that sort of play, which, you know, for a call center or for someone who can really benefit more, well, I mean, everyone can really benefit from a VoIP system, mm. but like, you know, you make can you, just make your business, it makes your business seem more professional. Not seem, is more professional. But it also, yeah, it, it, IVRs and things like increases that. accountability and increases, you know, yeah. reporting metrics, everything, because you the system that it's operating on is a lot more advanced, you know, than people are probably used to mm. with a with a normal phone system. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. No, that's very cool. Well, guys, look, appreciate your time. 
Really do. No worries. Been great. It's been great. Um, <laughs> we'll obviously leave your details in the uh, in the in the description of the podcast and all that sort of stuff and some yeah, contact cool. points for you guys. So um, yeah. yeah, if you're um, if you think your IT is in question, I think you should. Uh, Start, yeah, start talking. If, yeah. if anything discussed today, you've thought, hmm, I've put that yeah. off for a while. Shit. No yeah. longer put that off. Yeah, I, I think that's, <laughs> and I think, you know, it's the end of the year. Yeah. And yeah. if you're, you know, if, if you're looking at your business, if you're looking around at your technology, if, if that's your voice, your IT, your print, or your cloud, yeah. get your team together. And just have a meeting and say, look, guys, what what are we doing at the moment? What's the, what's maybe, what's the weak points? What's annoying you guys? What what what, what could start we go out. into the start of next year? If this was fixed, would just get us running faster, mm. making more money, you know, keep us more secure, and and see what comes out of those meetings and see what the feedback is like. And yeah. now's the time to be. And you'll probably hear things that you've never heard before. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. But, uh, you know, you don't know unless you ask. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well Thanks, done. guys. Appreciate your time. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. See you in the next Cheers. episode.